The Truth News Network. COVID, insurrection, masks, injections, closed schools, silenced truth tellers, people held for more than a year in solitary without charge. What really are the facts? In the information age, the people being starved for the truth. To the rescue, TNN, the Truth News Network, and your hero, Dan Newman. With my hat in hand. We come before you humbly today to present some facts. That's what we do here at Truth News Network. Thank you for joining us. So where do we get started today? Well, why don't we go to what looks like maybe a, uh, a foretell of the end as all prepare for the charade slated for tonight on national television. Every network, save one. Fox News will not carry the live January 6th committee attempt to smear Donald Trump in the wake of the fact that the desperation of Democrats as they head into the midterms is so very obvious. Why? Why the desperation? Well, with the knowledge that the inevitable shellacking of their party by Republicans looms ahead, here comes the president, and he takes his case. Biden to Jimmy Kimmel Live, while the president watches his approval among Americans even getting lower and lower and lower. But what's worse is how many Americans don't like the job he's doing. It's up to 55%. That doesn't seem possible that any guy, I don't care how inept they may be, any any person that gets to the White House would in such a short period of time lose almost all the confidence of Americans to lead the nation. And then there's that lone would-be terrorist-slash-murderer who was arrested and charged with attempted murder for stalking Justice Kavanaugh's home with a gun and a knife and stating, makes it worse, he wants to kill Justice Kavanaugh. What is going on in this world around us? Well, what we're going to do today is try to help you get a little more information on which you can make some, uh, draw some really credible and believable and honest decisions about what to believe and what not to believe. And you can believe this when I say it's getting harder and harder to be able to ferret the facts from the lies. It's almost, we're, literally, we're almost to the point where when a Democrat in leadership in the United States Congress steps up to a podium or a television camera or a microphone, my default position when I, even before they open their mouths, when I'm looking at them, it's that automatic default position in my mind is they're going to lie. And then I'm shocked if they even utter one thing that could be remotely classified as being factual. Is that because I'm a political hack? No, it's because I'm a thinking, reasoning human being that takes a little extra time and doesn't just swallow hook, line, and sinker whatever the people from my party of choice say just to score political points with people that are watching and listening. i got to be honest with you. I, and I believe most Americans are getting tired. We are really growing tired of having to live in this world every day. 
Wouldn't it be nice just to be able to kind of float through a week or so, maybe a vacation week this summer? You know, normally we go to the beach. We have with our kids since they were little. And all three of our children love the beach, as do our grandchildren, all six of them. But you think through your very favorite vacations in your life. Maybe it was during your adult life. Maybe when you were a kid growing up. And it doesn't have to be anything elaborate. Oh, I mean, you know, I've been to Hawaii multiple times. I've been to Cabo three times. I've been to some nice places. Zurich, Switzerland, northern Italy, even Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Places that I really liked. Principally because they were different. They weren't the same old things. But nevertheless... I enjoyed them, and I didn't sweat. I didn't have to worry about those everyday details that just seemed to creep up and grab us around our throats and strangle the very joy out of our lives. Give us a week off. Come on, folks. Give us a break. But sadly to say, I don't see any of those in sight. As a matter of fact, conservatives in this nation, we can't take a day off, not even a day. Because 24-7, there is a concerted effort to choke the truth out of any information that is emitted from the Potomac Valley. Literally, they can do that. They being the people on the left. How can they do that? Because they control the White House. They control the U.S. House of Representatives. They control the U.S. Senate. And they control the media narrative that is emitted out of D.C., all around the globe. And when you control the messaging, you control what people see and what they hear. When you control that, it puts freedom and liberty in the bullseye of some really evil people that are hell-bent on destroying this nation. We're living in that today. Whether you want to believe it or not, it's a fact. And every day, the facts bear it out and they justify it and prove it again and again. And it it seems like, I guess way back, for me, it was way back in Bush 43. In his first term, I really began to see how much hatred there is in the political system in the nation. I mean, literally, folks. We're at this point, and I've said this before, I've written this in truthnewsnet.org stories, I've written this, the difference between Democrats and Republicans or other types of conservatives is really simple. When you're a conservative and you're speaking to a Democrat and you're comparing positions and your opinions about a specific universally being discussed thing on the landscape of living today, When you express your opinion as a conservative, they're going to look at you like you're from Venus or Mars. When they share their opinion with you, if it's different from yours and typically it is, you'll look at them, nod and say, I get that. We'll disagree, but you know, I I respect the fact that you've got the right to believe that way. They look in your eyes with horror, anger, even hatred. They don't just disagree with your concepts. They hate you for having them. Now, when I said that first on this show, when I guess probably the first week of the airing of TNN Live several years ago, 
I had some people that scratched their heads saying, do you really think that, Dan? How can anybody, any reasonable, living, breathing, thinking human being that has one shred of objectivity in their minds and their hearts, how could you say that is not the way it is? The political system today, when they established, way back at the very beginning of our government, I mean all the way back, they established political parties. Thomas Jefferson, famous statement regarding political parties, and I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but here's the gist of it. He said, if I had to be a member of a political party to go to heaven, I'd never go to heaven. So much he despised the political parties, that whole system. It's not so much about really representing the people or a group of people that are like-minded. It's about taking it, empowering those who have different opinions, and turning them against other Americans that have differing opinions. I remember candidate Joe Biden campaigned the very little bit of public campaigning he did in the run-up to the 2020 election. And he promised again and again, I'm going to unify all Americans. I'm not going to be the president of Democrats. I don't want to be the president of Democrats. I want to be the president of Democrats, Republicans, and everybody else. I want unity in my policies and everything we do and try to do. It's going to be built around the number one objective of this administration, unity. I don't know of a single thing this guy has done, even before he ascended to power on January 20th of 2020 and got the title of President of the United States, even between the election several months previous to that and the January 20th of 2020 when he took the oath of office. I can't think of a single thing he's done politically that one could point to and say, that's fulfilling his promise of unity. He is a leader, folks, but he led this nation right back into the gutter. And it's still there as far as he's concerned, although they don't want to call it the gutter. They want to call it the right political perspective. When it's not, now, am I saying one's right, one's wrong? No, I'm saying they're both considered everybody's opinion on everything political and everything else. If you're a legitimate, honest person, you're going to consider those opinions. You may not agree with them. But I am sick and tired of when people disagree with others' political perspectives, they just think you're evil. And your opinion, it's not even worth consideration. And we're living in a world that's consumed with that. I mean, just look at what happened yesterday. Just when we thought it was safe to come out of the water, (laughs) the water of politics, the shark of political weaponization attacks us with a fury never before seen in American politics. It's viler today. It's most vile today than it's ever been. The one branch of our federal government that for 260 years has been somewhat insulated from the pool of partisan politicians, now finds itself in the bullseye of the evil of politics. You know what I'm talking about. It's the United States Supreme Court. It's no longer, the court is no longer untouchable by politics. 
and it's no longer untouchable by those who are consumed to take over the United States judiciary system. Conservative justices on this Supreme Court find themselves today to be under attack by pro-abortionists, and those pro-abortionists are hell-bent on stopping the court from even contemplating the overturn of Roe v. Wade. The first justice in the bullseye of the left, Brett Kavanaugh, along with Samuel Alito. Pro-choice protesters descended on the homes of conservative Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh and Alito, as well as the home of Chief Justice John Roberts, who waffles back and forth between uh, leftist and conservative. The invasion of their family privacy that came after their home addresses were very, very innocently posted online by a leftist group in protest over the Supreme Court draft opinion that leaked out several weeks ago that shows a possible reversing of Roe v. Wade. And that sounds horrible, but it gets worse. A man that police say was carrying a gun and a knife and pepper spray outside of Brett Kavanaugh's home was arrested after he told authorities he wanted to kill the Supreme Court justice. Police told the Washington Post that the the man appeared to be in his mid-20s did not make it onto the Maryland property, thank goodness, and was stopped on a nearby street. A spokesperson for the Supreme Court confirmed the report in a statement stating at approximately 1.50 a.m. yesterday morning, a man was arrested near Justice Kavanaugh's residence. The man was armed, made threats against Justice Kavanaugh. He was then transported to Montgomery County Police 2nd District. It is unconscionable that members of the most sacred court in the nation, who have all never before faced life and death situations just for executing their sworn duties as justices, and they're finding themselves as targets for their fellow Americans, literal targets, in this case of a crazed American in possession of a knife and a gun in the wee hours of the morning. Nobody should be surprised. This occurring was inevitable. It was going to happen in light of what leaders in the Biden administration and the Democrat Party have done and stated in the very near past. Who can forget the actual threats against the conservative members of the court by none other than the Senate Majority Leader? Who would that be? (laughs) That guy from New York, Chuck Schumer. It shocked most Americans when the majority leader actually got up on the street and got in people's faces and threatened Supreme Court justices, a leader, one of the top two leaders in the United States Congress on the Democrat Party side. Chuck Schumer, listen for yourself. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. 
Well, of course, arbitrarily, he expresses his opinion, and because it's his opinion, he's first a Democrat. Secondly, he's a member of the United States Senate. And third, of most important of all, he's the majority leader of the United States Senate. So whatever his opinion is, that's facts, folks. That's the way it is. And if you argue with that, you're worthless. You prove that you're evil and you need to be obliterated. So with Democrats and their radical activist base continuing to seethe after the criminal leak of a draft Supreme Court opinion, it's not even an opinion yet. It was the first draft of one. And yes, if it would stick, it would overturn Roe v. Wade's concoction of a supposedly constitutional right to kill the unborn. In the middle of all of that, you remember Jen Psaki? Pippi Longstocking, Joe Biden's first White House press secretary, she made a statement before she left her post at the White House. Now, everybody is wondering, how does Joe Biden really feel about all of this? I mean, after all, he is the president of the United States. How does he really feel about it? Well, just a a moment of reflection for you. Here's Jen before she left town. I do want to ask as well, I mean, the Department of Justice was very swift in responding to school board members who felt like they were being harassed and intimidated um, a couple months back. Does the president feel that the demonstrations outside of, say, Justice Alito's home, um, are those attempts to interfere or intimidate? Well, I think I said yesterday, but I'm happy to repeat because I think it's important for everybody to hear, that the president's long-standing view has been that violence, threats, and intimidation of any kind have no place in political discourse. And we believe, of course, in peaceful protests. What I do find is interesting, um, and I think most many people have noted, is that there are voices on the right who have called out um, this uh, protests that are happening uh, while remaining silent for years on protests that have happened outside of the homes of school board members. What you just heard is the typical deflect. Don't even think about what was just said. Yeah, Jen Psaki was being truthful. There are a lot of people that have come out and uh, they have taken positions against others, Democrats, that oppose or have differing versions of Uh, an opinion on any one subject from their conservative counterparts, and that's bad. But not one president of the United States has come out and done that. No conservative has done that. Nobody's talked about any kind of violence or promoting anything that could even evolve into violence. I know, I know, I know Donald Trump, he did it on the January 6th. He stood... In that uh, on that stage down by the White House and told those people to go charge and go into the U.S. Capitol and stop those people from confirming the results of the 2020 election. He didn't do that at all. In fact, he did speak to the crowd and he instructed them to march to the Capitol and peacefully express their opinions. Here's the end of Saki's famous 
Last words. The Michigan Secretary of State, or including threats made to women seeking reproductive health care, or even an insurrection against our capital. So I know that there's an outrage right now, I guess, about uh, protests that have been peaceful to date, and we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes, and that's the president's position. But the silence is pretty deafening about all of the other intimidation that we've seen to a number of people. As she quoted her boss, she said, that's the president's opinion, which is it's okay to peacefully protest outside these justices' homes. Remember that. She wasn't telling you the truth, and if Joe feels that way and acts that way, he's violating the law by encouraging it. It's not a defense. It's not that this type of protesting behavior is nonviolent. When a statutory crime does not necessarily involve forcible conduct, the fact that people commit it peacefully, it's irrelevant. Parading and picketing are not inherently violent acts. And those people that say, oh, we've got that right in the First Amendment, let me just tell you what it says. Yeah, you have the free speech. But it says, and I'm going to quote the First Amendment, that says every American has the right to peaceably assemble. The word protest is not even mentioned. What they are pursuing and what is happening are acts of political pressure. Court cases are supposed to be decided based on law, not political pressure. Therefore, even peaceful protesting at the homes of judges undermines the institution of the judiciary, the integrity of the judicial proceedings, and the administration of justice. Why? Well, it's because of what it's for, to put political pressure on a judge in order to influence a ruling. And by the definition in federal law, that is obstructing justice. Now, this is common sense. It would perhaps be easier to understand if we consider that witnesses and jurors in trials, they're covered by the same statute that protects judges. So if protesters went to the residence of, say, a witness or a juror and simply stared angrily without engaging in violence, everybody would understand that the purpose was intimidation and corrupt influence, which is a violation of the law. The crowd would be trying to get the witness to testify as the protesters want, regardless of the facts, or to get the juror to reach the verdict that the protesters want, regardless of what the evidence shows. Obviously, this would obstruct justice. It would not be a defense that the crowd of protesters didn't resort to forcible measures. Under the circumstances, Biden is encouraging lawlessness. He's the chief executive. He's responsible for seeing that the laws are enforced and that government institutions and officials are able to function without any interference. Unlike you and me, who don't have such duties and thus can sit back passively, the President of the United States has a positive obligation to take preventive action. If his administration does not protect the justices from illegal intrusions, 
Nobody else is in a position to do it under the color of federal law. Therefore, Biden is encouraging lawlessness. It couldn't happen if he acted to prevent it. Yet, he hasn't yet acted to do that. So the question, are these protests a violation of federal law? The Biden Department of Justice has not commented on the protest by these pro-abortion activists outside of the justices' homes, even though a federal statute forbids such things and are designed to influence any judge, juror, witness, or court officer. In a recent op-ed for The Hill, Jonathan Turley, a noted law professor at Georgetown University, he wrote this, quote, In this case, the Biden administration and the Department of Justice have condemned the court's leaked draft, but not the threatened protest at justices' homes, even though those arguments could be treated as a crime. Under 18 U.S.C. 1507, it's a federal crime to protest near a resident occupied by a judge or a jury with the intent to influence their decisions in pending cases. And this case remains pending. So I'll refer back, circle back. What about Trump inciting protesters on January 6th? Well, when then-President Donald Trump told protesters to march peacefully to the Capitol on January 6th, he was roundly condemned. Everybody came. A bunch of Republicans came out and said he should not have done that. Honestly, the rally was legal. The situation is quite different when Democrats are involved, it seems. White House Press Secretary Saki has continually encouraged these protesters, threatening the justices, to just do it peacefully outside their homes. Total disregard for the law. This, despite the fact that it's illegal to protest outside a justice's home to bully them into a ruling that they want. On top of that, some of the protesters are dangerous communists. So, just so you don't forget this, when we going into the January 6th insurrection hearings tonight by the January 6th committee, nationally televised on every major network, with the exception of Fox News, Trump's exact instructions to January 6th protesters, quote, everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. That's all he said about that. And I'm not an attorney, but I can tell you in the context of what we're watching and listening to play out during this administration, what Trump said is 180 degrees ahead and away from what Joe Biden has said over and over and over again, and he continued it last night. We'll get into that in just a moment. When Democrats amped up their base by inciting intimidation of these conservative justices, you probably don't even remember this, Justice Alito and his family, they went into hiding because he had so many death threats. A Daily Signal reporter producer, Doug Blair, said the protesters outside Kavanaugh's home were very angry. It was the scariest thing he ever saw. 
Even some neighbors of the justices participated in these protests. Now, just think about it. You're just doing your job. That's all you're doing, your job. And it's probably the most important job of the United States government, with maybe the exception of the president of the United States, and maybe with the exception of this one. But then your next-door neighbors start protesting against you, and you haven't even reached an opinion and done anything that they're alleging you've already done. No one seems to care that those homes were not inhabited by Supreme Court justices. There are wives and husbands and young children who live in those homes. So besides the very obvious lawlessness suborned by Democrats in D.C. and the resulting effects of this incitement, it's unacceptable that Democrat party leaders like Schumer, like Pelosi, Pelosi's gone dead quiet. They refuse to give these angry pro-choice fanatics the worst-case scenario for abortions if the Supreme Court actually does overturn the road decision. If it happens, if the court does it, that act is not going to outlaw abortions. Now, wouldn't it be nice if Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and all these other leading Democrats would be honest with their followers and get up and say what the facts are? Guys, don't get ramped up. This is not going to outlaw abortion anywhere in the United States, period. The court doesn't have the legal authority to do that, in spite of what everybody wants the majority of Americans to think. What it will do, it will send the determination of the legality of abortion and the ancillary procedures right back to the actual one-on-one representatives of the people in their state legislatures. That's all it's going to do. People either forget or they just simply reject There is no provision for abortion in the Constitution. If our forefathers had done so, there wouldn't be any argument. The fact is why the Supreme Court never found itself engaged in the determination of the legality of abortion until the Roe decision. Up until that point, state legislatures then made the determination for the citizens in their respective states. And if the Supreme Court overturns Roe, The determination of the legality of abortion will once again just be determined by each state. And state legislatures are closer to voters than are those representatives in D.C. And therefore, it's easier for John Q. Public to get in front of his direct representative in the legislatures of his state than to get in front of his representative in Congress. Besides the anger, the hatred, the void of leadership and rank divisiveness purposely sowed by leaders in the Democrat Party. These actions that we've watched in horror happen across the nation have actually placed the lives of United States Supreme Court justices and their family members in danger. And sadly, it appears that many on the left actually enjoy watching that happen. What every abortion supporter needs to realize is that the political pendulum in the United States Representative Republic, it swings back and forth, and it always goes 
because of gravity back in the other direction. It will do so in this, no matter what the immediate outcome of this decision is going to be. So let's go back just a, a few months, a year and a half. Wouldn't it have been smart for President Biden to presidentially, if he can do the, that in anything, if Biden had presidentially stepped into this debate even before it began and taught his rank-and-file Democrat supporters the truth of what, if it should happen, the overturn of Roe v. Wade would actually mean. He's an attorney, 36 years of life in the United States Senate, eight as vice president. He knows what's right in this, according to the law. His choosing to not even talk about that, but he chose rather to support mob rule in this. That tells a sad tale about the condition of the Democrat Party. No matter the outcome of the court in this significant decision, what will surely remain will be a much wider gap between pro-choice and pro-life Americans. And the ancillary fallout will certainly consume the dialogue of Americans for a long time to come. It'll never stop. If you think the angst in Washington is as ugly as it can get, just you wait and see how pro-choice protesters act if the Supreme Court does send the determination of the legality of abortion back to each state. It most certainly will be part two of what was a controllable disagreement that turned violent because of the inaction of President Biden and poor leadership from the White House and Democrats in Congress. You think it's been bad so far? Oh my gosh. You just wait and see. It hadn't even remotely gotten ugly yet. So how is Joe Biden handling this? He didn't get up from the White House and give Americans a really good one-on-one conversation. You know those that some presidents have been able to do through our history where they actually, you get the sense watching and listening that they're talking directly to you. That's a way to make people feel comfortable. That's something a real leader does. Biden, what does he do? Well, he's not worried about what you think. If he was, he'd do something about it. He would try to console you. Uh Uh-uh. What did Joe do? He headed to Jimmy Kimmel Live. Got a little weigh-in on that after this. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800-plus cities. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. 
Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels in a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And Dan Newman. Well, 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 well. Jimmy Kimmel, one of the bastions of journalistic integrity and honesty in late night. <laughs> uh, he's not anywhere close to that. He's a, he's a wannabe comedian. And um, what happened last night, I didn't watch it. I've, I've seen some follow-up, some of the snippets. You know, it's hard to just sit down for an entire show. It's hard for me anymore to watch any of these nighttime guys. And Jimmy Kimmel, to be honest with you, in my mind, in my opinion, is probably one of the worst. It seems like he's always reaching, trying to get something done that he can't quite get done. Well, last night, Biden appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live for his first network interview in four months, folks. Did you realize that? President Biden hasn't done a network interview in four months. So Biden kicked off his first in-person appearance by discussing gun control efforts. And he's discussing them not with the gun expert. No, 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 no. With the comedian, Jimmy Kimmel. And of course, Biden wasted no time. He's there to score political points. He took aim at Republicans. You know, President Unity. (laughs) I'm going to unify the nation. Well, he takes a shot at Republicans and he said, a lot of it is intimidation by the National Rifle Association. Look, this is not your father's Republican Party. This is a MAGA party. Now, let me tell you, I, uh, in high school, I got into extemporaneous speaking and I got into debate. I was on a high school debate team. And I guess my wife will tell you I'm an excellent debater, and maybe I learned it in high school. But the number one rule I was taught in ninth grade, folks, ninth grade. I don't even think Joe Biden remembers that he was a ninth grader at one time. The first thing I learned was not to do what he just did. (laughs) He showed his underbelly, his weakness. What's Joe Biden's weakness? Donald Trump. In his first sentence, a lot of it, what he's talking about, it, is this consternation going on. 
He said a lot of it is imitation by the National Rifle Association, the NRA. Look, this is not your father's Republican Party. This is a MAGA party. In other words, hey, anybody that disagrees with me, it's got to be a plant from the crazy orange man, the evil orange man. Now, he just went on defense from the very beginning. He could have very graciously just held a real, you know, solid middle ground and just tried to do what he promised he was going to do, which was unify the nation. In those two sentences, he completely drew the lines and divided. He's got half of the nation sitting on this side of the room and the other half sitting on that side of the room, and he's fomenting hatred between those two groups. And, of course, he had to make brownie points for himself. He talked about going to Uvalde, Texas. I met with every single family member of all those kids killed and those teachers killed down in Uvalde, Texas, he said. The stories they told and the pain you could see on their faces. So some people would say, oh, he's just being sensitive and feeling the angst of those people. He knows he lost a son. He lost a wife and daughter in a horrible car accident. His son died of cancer. He knows what it is to lose the lives of people. And that's all he was doing. I'm sorry, but that's not all he was doing. He was drawing a dividing line. Kimmel then after that, he questioned the president about the possibility of an executive order. I can't believe Kimmel would even have the chutzpah to ask this guy, who is the master of executive orders, if he would ever consider one, and one especially on gun control. And listen to what Kimmel did. He said, former President Donald Trump passed out those executive orders like Halloween candy. Oh my gosh, yeah. The art of the deal, that's kind of reconfirming what Biden promised. Here is one of his sidekicks, Jimmy Kimmel. And Kimmel's doubling down on Joe Biden's divisiveness. And of course, Biden responded. "Uh, uh, uh, I have issued executive orders within the power of the presidency to be able to deal with everything having to do with guns, gun ownership, all of the things that are within my power, which is horse hockey. None of that is in his power. It's been controlled again and again through cases, through opinions issued by this Supreme Court and previous Supreme Courts for many, many, many years and many, many cases. Joe Biden, though, here's what he's doing. He's chest pumping. I have issued executive orders within the power of the presidency to be able to deal with everything having to do with guns, gun ownership, all of the things that are within my power. I'm Joseph Biden. I be the president of the United States. So it is written. So let it be done. I'm exaggerating, but that's exactly what he was doing. You know where this comes from? It comes from the mind and the heart of somebody that struggles to feel like they're applicable and they're worthy in whatever situation they find themselves in. You wouldn't think any president would feel that way. 
But you remember all those years, eight years of Joe Biden walking around trailing Barack Obama and the way Obama treated his vice president during all those eight years and even after that recommending that Joe not run for president because he wasn't ready. He didn't have the goods. Who better to know that than Barack Obama? So you can understand within that context, Biden trying to pump himself up and make himself look a little more important than maybe he really is. And so he circled back one more time. Guess where? To the orange man. He accused Donald Trump of abusing the Constitution. He didn't give any examples, but it sounds good. That's a political po- talking point. Any Democrat. Oh, that you can you can claim any of your opponents are evil people. They're abusing the Constitution. No examples. The only one in recent years that's abusing the Constitution that's been in the White House is this guy. He's walked all over it and wants to walk over it even worse than he already has. What I don't want to do, Biden said, and I'm not being facetious, I don't want to emulate Trump's abuse of the Constitution and constitutional authority, he said. I often get asked, The Republicans don't play it square. Why do you play it square? I can't believe he even said that. Why do you? Oh, you know, I'm asked all the time. Why do you play square when the Republicans don't? If we do the same thing they do, our democracy would literally be in jeopardy. And that's not a joke. Tell me one thing. One thing. Donald Trump even tried to do that is contrary to any constitutional provision. Name me one. You can't do it. And it's not because you don't have a memory of that. It's because it didn't happen. Donald Trump was and is hopelessly committed to the rule of law in the United States Constitution. This guy, he left that alone years and years ago when he found out that if you're a Democrat, Not only are you anointed to not support the Constitution, even after making multiple commitments that you're going to do it, even swearing an oath to do that, what you can do is walk all over it and get away with doing it. Kimmel then expressed to the president how he thinks Democrats are frustrated because they won the White House, they won the Senate, and they won the House and have made very little progress when it comes to guns, reproductive rights, voting rights, and climate change, saying in some ways we've moved backwards. Well, let me tell you why, Jimbo. Here's what's going on. You don't speak for the people. Joe Biden doesn't speak for the majority of the people. The people don't like it. They like to be given independence and the constitutional guarantees that you and your minions in the Democrat Party aren't controlling our lives. You have no authority to do it. You're doing so or even attempting to doing so is a violation of my constitutional rights and the rule of law, which you've been doing every day you've been breathing since January 20th in 2020. You're suborning illegal acts by open borders, by making all of these executive orders, many of which are swatted down by the Supreme Court but you just feel like you're going to throw as much as you can against the wall and just hope more of it sticks than the Supreme Court knocks it off the wall. How do you really feel, Dan? 
Oh, Biden responded to Jimbo by claiming we've actually made some real moves when it comes to climate change. Oh my gosh, yeah, we're going to change that freaking climate. We're going to reach up into the sky and we're going to make it rain where it's never rained before. We're going to make it get dry where all it's ever done is flooded. And those brush fires that happen out in California because those idiot climate change sycophants out there won't let the underbrush be cleaned out like the Native Americans did to stop forest fires. They're burning their whole state down with these multi-million dollar homes being swept into the ocean by the subsequent mudslides because the underbrush is burned away and there's nothing to hold it all together. Yeah, we're great scientist we are. He talked about efforts to push solar and wind energy as well as electric vehicles. Oh my gosh, every American needs one. Hey, just as an aside about the electric vehicles, let me tell you what's going to be happening here before long. They're going to hit a brick wall, face, nose to face, uh, nose to brick. It's going to happen. And when they do, they're going to start grasping for anything and everything they can use as a weapon to quickly push back against any people that say anything with which they disagree. Electric cars is going to be one of them. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Joe Biden's going to come out with a program, and he's going to try to justify and get the money to spend so that every family in the nation has the ability, based upon financial capabilities, to own an electric car. Electric cars is Joe Biden's ticket to life in uh, Nirvana. He wants to go to Nirvana, and the only way he can get there is to put something out for Americans that no other president has been able to do. His only problem is he'll never get that done before January of next year. And what's going to happen in November of this year? (laughs) Democrats are going to be sent packing And when the Republican Party takes over next year, it's going to be back to business as usual. Doing the right things. Honoring the rule of law. Giving everybody an opportunity to share their opinions. But let the consensus of the representatives of the people in America make the decisions. Here where we are, Joe said. We have the fastest growing economy in the world. Can you believe he even said that? We have 8.6 million new jobs, of which not one is really a new job. Every one of them is somebody going back to work from being benched during the coronavirus lockdowns. All that good stuff has happened. You know, this 8% inflation, which is even more than Jimmy Carter did when he bankrupted the nation back in the late 70s. But I am moving the nation forward with those 8.6 million new jobs, which really aren't new jobs. Unemployment rates are down to 3.6 million, excuse me, 3.6%. We reduced the deficit last year by $320. No, you didn't, Joe. The reason it went down was The massive spending bills, the two last ones that you wanted, weren't passed by Congress. And so deficit spending was shut off. And the United States Congress caused the deficit to go down. This year, we're going to reduce it by $1.7 trillion. If it gets there, which experts say it's not, but if it should, it's going to be for that exact same reason. Joe was stopped on another attempted spending spree. He did say that inflation is 
the bane of our existence. And he suggested that he wants to work to lower the cost of health care, prescription drugs, and child care. How about oh, just, just getting us groceries, just getting us gasoline in sufficient supply so that we don't have to pay out the wazoo just because there's such a high demand for it and there's not enough around because you shut down the fossil fuel industry. You, you don't have to give us anything, Joe. Just open the markets back up to do what capitalist markets have done throughout history, including this one before you kicked it in the knees. Biden told Kimmel he's never been so optimistic in his life. He said that American children are the best educated. There's not a single fact that backs that up. The least prejudiced, also not a single fact that backs that up. And the most giving generation in American history, none of those three things are backed up by any evidence, not a single one. In fact, any evidence about those three things say the exact opposite. This guy cannot or does not, one of the two or maybe both, think on his own, examine the realities, and come up with truthful answers and perspectives on anything. He's either too, and I want to be kind, I don't want to say stupid, but he's too uh, incomprehensible or incomprehensive of the facts around him, or someone is feeding him things that aren't true and telling him they are true, and he's trusting them and repeating them. So it's time for the Kimmel interview to wrap up. And they did so by discussing the forthcoming Supreme Court decision. And it's upcoming. I expect, you know, everybody thought it was going to happen Monday, thought it was going to happen Tuesday, thought it was going to happen yesterday, many saying today. Let me tell you when it's going to happen. I'm going to predict this. They're going to put it out when nobody's expecting it. They're going to try to shortchange the uproar that is going to follow it no matter what happens. But they talked about it. Biden said he doesn't think the country will stand for it if the high court overrules Roe and hinted, Joe hinted, oh, here we go, Mr. E.O. Joe told Jimmy there are some executive orders that he could employ to counteract the outcome. This guy really believes that, folks. He thinks he is not President Joe Biden, but he is King Biden. They all point at Donald Trump saying that he was an authoritarian leader. Trump never even tried to do one authoritarian move in his four years. Joe Biden's been doing them from the beginning, and he takes his cue from his first boss at the White House, Barack Obama, who made it very clear, I've got a pen and a cell phone, that's all I need to govern. I'm the guy. Joe Biden says he's the guy. Biden said if SCOTUS overrules Roe v. Wade and states begin to impose limitations on abortion, it'll cause mini revolution, M-I-N-I, that kind of revolution, not M-A-N-Y. He said many people could get voted out of office, and guess what? Many people could be voted out of office and replaced by some conservatives that are pro-life. First Lady Jill, and you know what will determine that? The voice of the people. The voice of the people. First Lady Jill, of course she was with the president at the taping of the show. And why would they not do it live? Every American, almost without exception, felt like that was a live show. It wasn't. 
Why wouldn't they do it live? Because Mr. Gaff America would have, I started to say something, <laughs> he would have, uh, he would have messed himself up over and over again because he is the gaff master of politics now. I'm not being derogatory. That's factual. They don't trust him. Him being at Jimmy Kimmel Live that comes in the middle of a really tough time for his presidency. His approval rating dropped to 33% in an AP poll. His worst mark since entering the White House. An ABC Ipsos poll published Sunday found just 28% of us approve of his handling of inflation, 27 approve of his response to gas prices going up. An AP poll from the same time last year showed him having an approval rating of 63%. That was 24 points higher than his rating of two weeks ago. Prior to this interview with Kimmel, the president joined NBC's Lester Holt prior to the Super Bowl back in February, which marked his last major media appearance. Four months to the day almost. Now, with everything we're going through as Americans, wouldn't you like to, on a national level, wouldn't you like to uh, see and hear whatever your president has to say more than once every six months? It's not like everything's smooth. I mean, if he said, he said, Oh, we're in great shape. Never been better. We got all this great economy. It's roaring out there. Unemployment down. Oh my gosh, we've created all these new jobs. All of it lies. But somebody told him those things and he believed it. He's patting himself on the back and he wants everybody else to. In the middle of all of that, he has no clue what's going on, what's happening, why they are happening. Like the baby formula thing. He gets mad at his people because they didn't tell him enough over and over and over again. Hey, Mr. President, we got to come up with a plan. We got a baby formula problem. Months before he even had a clue and did anything. Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. song came out, everybody thought it was so, so radical. Eric Clapton, he's one of the greatest guitar players in the world, playing on that song. Layla's the name of it. 
talking about a woman, of course. Well, everybody knows we've got a big deal going on tonight, a big nationally televised opportunity for those bastions of integrity in the United States Congress. The members of that January 6th committee that Nancy Pelosi put in place, not a single one of them is a conservative. First time in congressional history that the leadership in the opposing the minority party regarding any committee structure, who's on those committees? The minority party got a chance to name their own people and the Speaker of the House was able to just kick them off that committee and handpicked who they wanted on their first time in United States history. That, of course, is Nancy Pelosi. And she wanted to hand put, uh, handpick a couple of uh, token Republicans, we call them rhinos, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who are really not Republicans at all, even though they still are members of the party. But you can bet somewhere in the next time period, you're going to see both of them switch parties. And they're going to switch parties because they aren't going to be able to get anything done as Republicans. Nevertheless, big plans tonight. They went out and hired the former president of ABC. Why would they want to bring in somebody formerly in that high a position when all they need to do if they were legitimately trying to expose to the American people the facts is just sit everybody around the table and turn the cameras on and start presenting facts. That's not what this is about. It has nothing to do with facts. And let me tell you how I know that. I don't know if you know what I'm about to tell you, but you need to. Nancy Pelosi, when this January 6th committee was formed, and oh, by the way, she formed it, which means she set all the rules. Everything about her regarding the January 6th stuff that happened for that, during, and after that are off limits. She refused to come and testify. She refused to provide any documents whatsoever. She refused to answer any questions that anybody was going to ask her and have asked her very important questions that would weigh in on the facts of what really happened on January 6th. Fortunately, a few of those facts have leaked out into the marketplace of ideas, kind of like, you know, with the lie out there, the big lie, the really big lie, the January 6th lie, they tried to paint it as the lie was that there was there was uh, cheating in the 2020 election and Donald Trump created that big lie. The real big lie is the cover-up by Democrats led by Nancy Pelosi of the real events of January 6th. And they're beginning, there's a crack. There's a crack in that uh, whole plan that they put together to hide from the American people. You remember they had some public testimony. I, I watched some of it, had some people that would come testify. And it was a charade because they were all handpicked. There was no bipartisan effort in there. Nobody really cross examined any of these people with any just objective legal pursuit attempted. It was all for Democrat Party perspectives to denigrate Donald Trump and to put him down, which is what they're trying to perpetuate now. Donald Trump said from the very beginning, the White House reached out to the National Guard. 
we felt like there needed to be a significant law enforcement slash military presence in Washington, D.C., because we were hearing some things that there was going to be some bad things attempted that day, and we wanted to protect everybody in Washington. Everybody on Nancy's side of the room, they just called it all lies. There was no attempt. We didn't get any word, anything about the National Guard, and then she went around trying to get everybody to cover all that up. Well, it didn't work. We found out. Now, put it in the context of this. Donald Trump wanted an insurrection. He instigated an insurrection. He wanted to incite people to overthrow a legitimate, free, and fair election. You know, the voices of the people. And keep himself, install himself in the White House for the second term. That was what he was all about. And this whole thing was just turned upside down with this one fact that has come out and yesterday was verified by multiple people who aren't Donald Trump fans but are in positions of power in our military. You know, like the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley. Not much of a conservative there, I'm sorry to say. Guess what? Donald Trump did reach out requested 20,000 National Guard troops to be approved to be stationed around the White House all the way down to the Capitol to make sure nothing happened. There was no violence. There was no, you know, the stuff that happened, that that wasn't going to happen. And we found out from Cash Patel, who worked in the White House, National Security Advisor's Office, Cash Patel was part of those conversations as General Mark Milley came out and confirmed that Donald Trump tried to get the National Guard to be approved to be there to stop any of this stuff. Now, wait a minute. He was the president of the United States. He's the number one guy in North America, right? Why would he have to get somebody else to approve it? Well, believe it or not, there's some power hierarchy up there. And the control of the everything to do with the facility, the United States Capitol, lies at the feet of the leadership of Congress. And the leadership in Congress, this time, you may not know this, but it happens to be Democrats, all Democrats. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is the one that took charge of all of this. And guess what? A request was sent not only to the House Speaker, It was sent to the head of the Capitol Police. It was also sent to the mayor of Washington, D.C., Muriel Bauer. The request that was presented to the National Guard by President Donald Trump in the White House. They all said, no, we don't want it there. Now, wait a minute. In the context of what they are claiming and what this thing they're going to put on there tonight, this puppet show, that supposedly is going to prove Donald Trump tried to overturn the rule of law in the United States Constitution. Uh, If he was planning that and wanted that to happen, why the heck would he want 20,000 National Guard members there to stop anything like that from happening? And Milley confirmed, yes, Donald Trump initiated it. It came from the White House. And Pelosi 
And Muriel Bauer said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to allow that. Why would they not allow it? It makes you want to go, hmm, what was their reasoning? What was their purpose? So yesterday, some members of the House of Representatives, Republican members, spoke out against the committee. They accused this entire effort of being a partisan witch hunt that was used by Democrats to abolish the Electoral College. You haven't heard that mentioned, but that was one of their stated plans, as well as to help cover up what Nancy Pelosi does not want you and me to know about, the matters surrounding all the events of January 6th. Representative Elise Stefanik, here's what she said. This committee is not about seeking the truth. It's a smear campaign against President Donald Trump, against Republican members of Congress, and against Trump voters across the nation. It does not serve any true legislative or oversight purpose. And it's not about finding out why Nancy Pelosi left the Capitol so ill-prepared that day, and it will not prevent another January 6th from happening, she added. She also accused Democrats and the Biden administration of, quote, scrambling to change the headlines, praying that the nation will focus on their partisan witch hunt instead of Americans' pocketbooks, noting how we all are currently facing soaring gas prices, high inflation, a shortage of baby formula, all of the responsibility for which belongs to Joe Biden. Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio, Here's what he said yesterday. Regarding January 6th, I think the goal is being stated. Mr. Raskin, he's referencing Democrat House member Jamie Raskin, stated that their goal, Democrats' goal, is to end the Electoral College. And the goal is to stop President Trump from running in 2024, plain and simple. Then-Representative Jim Banks, Republican from Indiana, said that based on reports over the weekend, the committee is being used to advance the radical Democrat agenda that includes abolishing the Electoral College. So Banks and Jordan's comments come after Axios reported on June 6th, citing anonymous sources that Representative Jamie Raskin, Democrat of Maryland, has argued that the Electoral College should be abolished, a stance reportedly concurred by Representative Adam Shifty Schiff, Democrat of California, but was opposed and is opposed, we are told, by Representative Liz Cheney, one of the two turncoat Republicans that are not conservative at all. The January 6th panel has nine members. It's been criticized for its apparent partisanship, in part because only two Republicans are on the the panel, Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney. Those two were selected to be on the panel by House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, but Pelosi rejected them, talking about Banks and Jordan. She wouldn't accept them on the panel. She said this at the time, as legislation allows, I didn't accept Jordan and Banks as they had made statements and taken actions that I think would impact the integrity of the commission of the committee, as if the others that are on that committee didn't say anything that has impacted what the commission has done or what it hasn't done. Banks yesterday said it's not just a partisan witch hunt 
or a potential attempt to abolish the Electoral College, but it's also a cover-up. Pelosi blocked us, Banks said, because she's afraid of what a real investigation would uncover. She doesn't want Americans to find out what really happened that day and leading up to it. She doesn't want anyone asking questions about her role and her responsibilities and securing of the United States Capitol. Banks said the committee is, they're just flat out refusing to answer basic questions about that day. In fact, blocking these questions from even being asked questions that must be answered to keep the Capitol safe and to prevent another riot or incident like this one from ever happening again in the future. First of all, Capitol Police officers we now know were half-staffed that day because of COVID. How is that? He asked why some of the Capitol Police officers were under-equipped, some having had to use expired helmets or no helmets at all while they faced some rioters. He also asked why the U.S. Capitol Police never trained to deal with riots after all of the riots that were going on in the summer of 2020. Did Pelosi communicate with the House Sergeant-at-Arms on January 6th or in the days leading up to the riot? Was Speaker Pelosi involved in the decision to delay the National Guard assistance on that day? Major General William Walker, he was the commanding general of the D.C. National Guard that day. He said in March of last year that deployment of guardsmen was delayed on January 6th, the actual day after the breach of the Capitol building. Why? Because of a memo issued the day before that barred the use of the Guard's quick reaction force without approval. Approval by whom? Nancy Pelosi. That memo was issued by the then-Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy. Walker, who is now the House Sergeant-at-Arms, had said that if the memo wasn't issued, he would have immediately sent troops to the Capitol following the breach. Instead, it took him more than three hours to get the approval from the Pentagon to deploy that day. That day, Pelosi told CNN, and this is a quote, it was inexplicable why the National Guard took so long to deploy. On that day, January 6th, she said that she, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer were on the phone, quote, fighting to get the National Guard, and it was very hard. I don't know if they were on the phone. They may have been on the phone begging. They called, can you get the National Guard over here? And whoever was on the other end said, who is this? Ah, this is Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker. Oh, yeah, you're the one that told us days ago to just ignore the White House call for National Guard's 20,000 of those members to be stationed around the Capitol, projecting that this might happen. Aren't you the one that did that? And now you want us to run over there and cover your butt? Three more questions. Why didn't the Capitol Police Intelligence Unit raise the alarm about potential violence when they had evidence and intelligence for weeks leading up to that day that something violent could happen at the Capitol? And then, why did the FBI deploy commandos to Quantico on January 3rd with shoot-to-kill authority, but they failed to send the U.S. Capitol Police a single threat assessment 
or intelligence bulletin. One more question. Why did the House Sergeant-at-Arms refuse to cooperate with the Senate Homeland Security's bipartisan January 6th investigation? Now, here's why um, impartial, I don't want to say conservative, because there are a lot of people out there that are looking at what happened on January 6th when these details begin to leak out into the media and they're asking questions. They don't want that to happen. People want to know what the heck really happened. People want to know why there is actual credible video and audio. I've played it here at truthnewsnet.org of Capitol Police on that day actually removing those iron barriers stretched across the sidewalks leading up to the U.S. Capitol and them waving in and you can hear them saying, y'all come on in to those protesters that considered that to be an open invitation to go into the Capitol. Nobody's asking those questions, so there can't be any answers. Let me tell you what's ahead. The fulfillment of a scripture. Oh my gosh, you can't do that. You can't talk about that, Dan. This is politics. There's no Jesus stuff in politics. Well, we're going to find out. And it's going to be based on one scripture. Real simple. Be sure your sins will find you out. I promise you, here's what I and a host of other Christians that I know, what we have been praying for in the lead up to this entire charade. We want resolution, but we want the facts to come out, irrefutable facts that are presented not to be a partisan effort to accomplish a wanted objective other than Let's get the facts out there and with educated, knowledgeable information to back them up, make some decisions based on the facts. And I know that's an enigma in the Potomac Valley. Very little there is made regarding any decision on anything other than what's best for the people making the decision, not the facts. In the top 10 reasons for making a decision on anything, truthfulness, if it's not number 9 or 10, it may even be number 11. That's why Nancy Pelosi is blocking all of this. So let me ask you this. Why then yesterday, if they're into this, if they're into the rule of law, if they're into the government structure and supporting it all the way through, why then yesterday did they, Democrats in the House, stall a bill that would have given additional security to Supreme Court justices on the same day that guy was arrested for attempting to murder Brett Kavanaugh. Why would they stop it? Do you realize what that would have done? It would have provided to every justice of the Supreme Court going forward for eternity. It would provide every justice the exact same protection that is provided to this day and has been for years for members of the United States House of Representatives in the United States Senate. Nothing more. No bigger deal. Why would Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer, why would they block 
a rule, a bill to come to the floor that would do that in the wake of actual attempted murder happening against, it just so happens this time, conservative justices. Kevin McCarthy, House Republican leader, made a unanimous consent request on the floor yesterday to bring that bill up for a vote. It passed the Senate by a unanimous vote. Now, wait a minute. You're talking about the United Senate, which is split evenly down the middle. 50 Democrats, 50 Republicans, and they passed it unanimously? Yeah. What would the bill have done? It would have allocated additional security for the justice's family members. So despite McCarthy's request and despite what had already happened across the aisle at the Senate, Pelosi and the Democrats, they just failed to comply with McCarthy's proposal to bring the bill to a vote, and it just died. Why does everything have to be for political purposes? Everything. On the way to break, let me just throw this little nugget out there for you. A new poll came out yesterday. You know, Joe Biden... Everybody in his administration, they've been looking uh, hungrily at the southern border. They look at everybody that they can get in from there to automatically be a future Democrat Party voter on every issue. Those Hispanic people, they're too stupid. They're going to listen to what we tell them to do. We're going to think for them, and we'll own them because we're giving them We're transporting them here. We're giving them health care. We're giving them cell phones. We're giving them jobs. We want to give them housing, all those things. We're giving it to them. No, they're not. They're forcing those people to get it from you and I who are paying for it. But they just think these Hispanic people are going to be obligated to them. Quinnipiac poll released yesterday. Biden's overall approval with Americans remains in the negatives about 35% approval. But guess what it is among Hispanic Americans? 24%. That's all he has. 24%. And that little bitty sliver of support, less than a quarter of Hispanics in the nation, support Joe Biden and therefore the Democrat Party. Less than a quarter. Do you think that's going to be enough to awaken the sleeping giant of integrity called the United States Democratic Party. Heck no. They don't believe polls, and even if they do, they don't care because they've got a stranglehold on everything to do with everything in Washington, D.C. Less than 25% of Hispanics support what Joe Biden is doing. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. 
Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque and experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my In every age. My. The technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water. Election cycles come and go. White House reporters come and go. The truth is a diamond because it's forever. TNN, the Truth News Network. Your jeweler today is Dan Newman. And we're not through with Joe Biden and Jimmy Kimmel. There's more that uh, we've got to get to in this, and we're going to do it right now. We're running out of time, 35 minutes, a little more than a half hour left in the show today. Um, they got in a conversation. You haven't heard anything from Joe Biden. I haven't until last night, uh, about what happened in the, um, primaries, the elections that happened in those seven States the other day, but Joe weighed in with his expert opinion with Jimmy Kimmel. What kind of message was sent to the white house, to members of Congress and Americans around the nation in those primaries? I think the voters sent a clear message last night. Both parties have to step up and do something about crime as well as gun violence. And I said, as you recall, with the first major bill we passed, we gave the states and localities billions of dollars, billions of dollars to have, and encourage them to use it to hire police officers and reform the police department. Very few have done it. In addition to that, I sent the Congress a request for $300 million in this year's budget to deal with hiring cops, to retrain cops, as well as to make sure they are adequately dispersed around the communities. It's time they move. It's time the states and the localities spend the money they have to deal with crime, as well as retrain police officers, as well as provide for more community policing. It's time they get on with doing that and that's what I think the message last night from the American public was in all the primaries. Thank you. Of course, as you heard, uh, $300 billion, we gave it to them. We gave it to these states. And we expect them to rebuild their infrastructure to be able to handle this gun violence, handle the violence overall. Now, let me tell you, 
the facts in that. You you know what the facts are. What he's saying is, hey, I'm not going to do anything. Oh, there's no responsibility for us. We just pass out the taxpayer's money and we give it to these states and it's totally up to them. If you've got a problem with illegal activities, criminality in your town, your city, don't talk to us. We gave them money. They're not doing anything with it. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If they try to do anything on a local and state level regarding criminality, if they try to do it, uh, just a little tiny example of what I'm talking about. What about those states, you know, those evil governed states of California and Arizona, New Mexico and Texas? How dare the government structures governors down in these states? How dare they not just take the money that we give them and go arrest all these people? Get rid of all these people. And then when those states try to do just that, in part by holding the illegals that have criminal records in the countries they come from, not to mention a huge minority, a huge minority of those that come across our southern border have previous criminal history when they were here before they were deported previously out of the United States. You know, the shame of what you just heard from this president, the shame is this. He could, with one phone call, he could force an immediate push across this nation in all 50 states from the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland, Attorney General, could force the immediate reduction of criminality by at least half. How could he do that? By telling them all, you guys enforce the laws as the legally elected representatives of the people at the local, the state, and the federal level have voted and the legislatures hadn't crafted those laws. They have been signed into laws. Instead of just being bills laying out there, they've been signed into laws. I want to remind you, we all swore an oath to do that, protect and defend. That's our primary operation. So you either start doing that today or go find another job. There would be immediate actions that would happen as a direct result of it. But the far-reaching ripple effect actions that would come from that would just blow people's minds across the world, not just the nation, and especially in the criminal underworld. Because people would say, hey, 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 they're going to enforce laws. How do you know that would happen? Let me give you an example. Right before we went live, I didn't have a chance to grab the audio bite, but it was a, uh, a telephone conversation in California, actually in the Los Angeles area, between a criminal in jail and one of his compadres outside of jail. And they're talking about what they wanted to do regarding someone. Now, they didn't mention who that was, but it it was obviously somebody they mutually did not like and did not want to be alive on planet Earth. And the context in the conversation was the guy that was jailed was telling his buddy, hey, we need to go ahead and make that happen. 
before Gascon, the district attorney, is kicked out of office. Why? Because we want to get it done before the penalties for killing somebody or instigated by another district attorney. This guy, all it's going to be is manslaughter. But if we don't get this done and we try to do it after he's replaced, it's going to be somebody or it could be somebody that's going to want to go and, you know, make us pay the penalty in the law. So the criminals have it. They understand it. (laughs) And Joe Biden doesn't, apparently. Mary Garland doesn't. Other leaders in the Democrat Party don't. Either they don't understand it, and I'm pretty sure they do. What's the other? They don't care. Look at what Alejandro Mayorkas has allowed to happen every day since Joe Biden was elected, yet alone sworn into office. Ignore all the federal immigration laws and let over 2 million illegals come into the nation. At the state and local local level, federal people in law enforcement, they have the capability to do a lot. But they can't do it if their hands are tied by those who even make the laws But then, not only do they personally ignore the laws that they made, they encourage everybody else to ignore the laws as well. Do you know who Winsome Sears is? She's an African-American woman, the recently elected attorney general in Virginia. And she is a rule of law person. And she talked to Stuart Varney of Fox News Business yesterday, and they talked about the rule of law They talked about the violence problem, the criminality around the nation, and this, uh, I mean, this infatuation with getting rid of guns, taking guns out of the hands of Americans, and people actually saying, even though they can't logically think that they're going to be able to eliminate criminality, um, it just can't be done. I don't know of a single case in American history where a gun actually got up and walked around and found somebody it didn't like, pulled its own trigger and killed them. It's people. Guns are not the problem. With Stuart Varney, Winsome Sears had these comments. Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, Winsome Earl Sears, said guns are not the problem when it comes to mass shootings. Lieutenant Governor Winsome Earl Sears joins me now. Your Honor, if it's not guns, what is the problem? When you look at the newspaper and it tells you that four days ago in Florida, a 10-year-old said he wanted to shoot up his school, we have to ask ourselves, what is the 10-year-old really saying? He's saying he wants to murder people. We have to ask ourselves, why is a 10-year-old wanting to murder people? The guns are the means that he wants to use. But understand this, the 10-year-old will find other ways to do what he wants to do. There's something going on in his head, and we've got to figure it out, and we've got to figure it out fast. Today, I read my newspaper, and it said that yesterday, a 10-year-old in, I believe it was uh, um, California, shot her mother's friend because they were in an argument. These are problems that are happening in our families, and if we don't figure this out right quick, 
we're going to be in deep trouble. So you know that a man, a woman, a child can use a car to plow in. They'll uh, drive over the curb, drive into a crowd, do whatever it is that they want to do their murderous duty to get whatever it is, effect that they're trying to do. They want to kill people. Hmm. They will find a way. They can put a Molotov cocktail together and throw it in a crowd. W same thing. You're going to have the same problem. Would you consider uh, some of the suggestions from Matthew McConaughey in that speech he gave yesterday at the White House? For example, raising the age, the minimum age to buy a weapon to 21 and waiting periods to actually get that weapon. That seemed to me to be kind of a middle-of-the-road idea would you support those two, those two things? I want to hear more about how that's going to work because here's the thing. If we can put an AR in the hands of an 18-year-old and tell them, go fight for your country, then we have to figure that out as well. What are we, what are we saying? When I was 18, 19 years old, I was given a rifle. When I was in the Marine Corps, and I was told it was my best friend. I had to pull that thing apart within two minutes and know how to use it. So we have to think about what we're doing. Should there be a waiting period? I think so. Should there be some other things? Let's talk about that. But in the meantime, let us ask ourselves, why is this happening? We've got fatherless homes. We've got young men who are joining gangs to get that feeling of belonging, yes, that are. feeling of somebodiness. We we have we have uh, the, our society our families are falling apart. In the family is where society grows. It's where the child learns how to behave, how to how to be civilized, how, how to be a responsible citizen. If families are disintegrating, then you see what we have. We've got suicides that are up. We've got drug overdoses are up. For example, in Richmond, up 150 percent. Things are happening. Let's get to the, the bottom of it. The gun is just one issue. May I ask a real fast question on gas prices? Uh, surging in Virginia, of course, 477 is your average in that state. Governor Yonkin hinting at maybe cutting the state's gas tax to get the price down. Lieutenant Governor, are you in favor of cutting the gas tax? Oh, you better believe I am. The people are hurting. And he has tried. He has put it in the budget. The Democrats have stopped him every which way. And they've now sent him another budget that doesn't have any cuts for gas tax. He's going to have to do a line item to see if he can put it back in so we can vote on that again. Well, I don't have a vote, uh, unfortunately, at this time. Uh, well, on the entire budget, I, I don't. But on the amendment, I do. Uh, so we can get some relief for the people. I was just uh, down near a, a place we call Goshen, and they're, they're suffering down in those places. We need gas tax relief, and we need that now. What else would you do to get the gas price down? Is there anything we can do in the immediate future? Just get that price down. Well, if somebody can talk with the president and tell him, we need to open the pipelines, Mr. President. We need to take care of the things here at home that we have control over. He won't and do it. stop telling the OPEC countries that they need to reopen. He won't do it.
Well, then, you know, there's something called elections and we've got the midterms coming up and maybe that will give people a clue that the, that the, the citizens of America are suffering. So we've got to get some things done. Well, Virginia certainly turned things around last November. I suspect they'll turn it around again this November. Uh, Madam uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor. Yeah, if it's one thing politicians can do, it's they can count. They yes. know how to count votes. <laughs> and so when we take back the House, then we'll get some things going and some minds changed because the people want relief at the gas pump. They sure it's do. It's common sense. Oh, we hear it all the time. Gas prices are in, in, in yeah, they're infecting everything. Yep. Food, yep. they're infecting clothing, the, the supply side, everything. Yep. We, I can hear the exasperation in your voice and we hear it all the time from our viewers. Lieutenant Governor, thank you very much for being with us today. Point of clarification. Uh, in the introduction to that segment, I said Winsome Sears was the newly elected Attorney General of Virginia. She's obviously not Lieutenant General, Lieutenant Governor. I'll get it straight here in a minute anyway. I wanted to make sure that was clarified. Um, some sad news coming out of Washington, D.C. this morning. And I think we all need to pause for just a second, a moment of silence. Because White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre announced there are two more press team departures from the White House staff in the middle of an ongoing staff shakeup. She said White House Rapid Response Director Mike Gwynn and White House Press Assistant Michael Kakuawa would be leaving to serve in public affairs at the U.S. Treasury. On a sad note, she said, our dear friend and Colleague Michael Gwynn will be leaving us for Treasury, where he will serve as Deputy Assistant Secretary for Public Affairs. Gwynn has served as the White House Director of Rapid Response for the past 16 months, responding to the most challenging and difficult issues imaginable. Of course, she didn't delineate what those challenging and difficult issues happened to be. She said, yet, Amid these often emotionally wrenching stories, Gwen's poise and moral clarity are unfailing, and his willingness and ability to step up has made him an indispensable member of the team. Well, I mean, in politics, folks, if you're politics and that's what you want your career to be, where do you want to always end up? I promise you it's not at the Department of the U.S. Treasury. It's at the White House. So why do you think old Michael would make a decision to leave the White House to go to Treasury unless Michael was pretty sure riding the good ship Biden White House administration staff is suicide, at least for your political career? And joining Gwen, she said, at the Treasury Department will be our very own Michael Kakuawa, where he's going to serve as a spokesperson, Michael, better known here to all of you, to all of us as Kiku, has served not just as press assistant, but as the strong engine and reliable engine at the press shop. His relentless work ethic and dedication to the mission of this team have been second to none. So much so that he's going he's gonna to take the leap back into obliteration by going to the United States Treasury instead of being at the White House. These people in this administration, from the top down, they're just caught up. They're, they're living 
and only breathing and thinking and looking in their own circle to find facts that they can present to us all. Corinne Jean-Pierre, I love the name. She is the most inept White House press secretary I can remember. Why, oh why, would they give her the big job of White House press secretary? There's only one reason why. Well, actually, two. She's African-American. And she's a lesbian. And she's married to another woman. It's certainly not for her qualifications or her abilities to communicate, which would be considered a pretty important position to have credible communications as the White House press secretary. We got a little tidbit of news that leaked out that's not really favorable to the Biden administration, and this little news leak came from Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri yesterday on the Tucker Carlson show. What's that little nugget? The Biden administration hadn't been honest about that so-called disinformation board it intended to set up earlier this year? Oh my gosh, you mean something they told us was real turns out it wasn't real? According to Hawley, despite saying that its purpose would be aimed at threats abroad, this so-called disinformation board would also have been used against, drumroll, the American people. And that's according to some documents that just happened to show up in the hands of Missouri Republican Senator Josh Hawley. As it turns out, Tucker, Hawley said, the people that the Biden administration think are the real threat to America. It's not the drug cartels. It's not foreign threats. It's you. It's the American people. If you have questions about COVID, if you have questions about COVID mask, if you have questions about the COVID vaccines, this administration wanted you to be monitored. This disinformation board was set up to go after you. That's what the documents say. By the way, election integrity, same story, he continued. The documents specifically mentioned that they needed to be a disinformation board. Why? because some people were having questions about the election integrity. Duh! (laughs) You see 2,000 mules yet? There's no credible person on planet Earth that would see 2,000 mules that wouldn't know factually there was problems with election integrity in 2020. Hawley said some people had questions about January 6th. Well, we couldn't have that. And this board was set up to monitor that and those that questioned. That was what was in their sights. And Hawley finished by saying, I'll tell you, Tucker, it just gives the lie to what they were saying in public. And we're too stupid to know that. Absolutely too stupid to know that. We're not done yet. When we come back, there's some... uh, There's some politicking going on nationwide at the Department of Homeland Security, and it's about getting more people coming into the nation and making it possible 
by pulling some strings. Long live the courageous. The tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram. Proven to last. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Dunkin' is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Dunkin' with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. In this immigration debacle that we find ourselves mired in, we've been told over and over and over and over again by the likes of Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, and of course others in the Biden administration, including the president himself, that we, the reason we're doing this is we want to we wanna be sensitive to the needs of all these people that they just want to come to the nation and make a better life for themselves and their families. Well, it may not be entirely true. A coalition of U.S.-based tech companies, you know, big tech, big tech, Silicon Valley companies out west, they all signed off and sent one letter to Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas asking him to revamp the policies for the children of high-skilled visa holders. Now, what's this about? Well, This coalition of big tech companies asked the Biden administration to establish more robust aging out policies. Now, what's that mean? It's an effort to address the issue of kids of long-term visa holders that came to the United States to work in these tech jobs, their children. Supposedly, it's in an effort to address the issue of kids of these long-term visa holders being able to continue as beneficiaries of their parents' pending green card applications even after they're 21 years of age or older. Now, you would think, yeah, there's probably a few of those people here and we ought to be kind of conducive to their needs. I mean, we don't want to to break up families. Well, the letter noted there are more than a quarter of a million such children 
that have grown up in this country under their parents' protected visa status, which includes those who are holding H-1B visas. That visa is used, it's very common in the technology industry, and it runs out when a child turns 21 years of age, meaning that the child has to then apply for green card status to be able to work here in the United States. Let me just cut to the chase. Why, oh, why, if these people, when they come here and they get temporary legal status, they're working, productive people, big tech want them here because they're very trained and very good at what they do. I get all of that, and we all do. If they want to stay here, novel idea. They're already here legally. Why don't they just go fill out the paperwork and start the process so that they can stay here as citizens? And their kids will be able to stay here as citizens. Instead of waiting till time runs out, ignoring their responsibilities, and being promised by these big tech companies, oh, we're going to take care of you, and we're going to take care of your children. Don't worry about it. We give a lot of money to Democrat Party causes and campaigns. We're going to see to it that you're taken care of. That's what's really happening, folks. It's about uh, maybe verbalized, maybe non-verbalized commitments by members of the Democrat Party and their big-time campaign supporters. So one more thing we want to fill you in on about our president, Joe Biden. You know, he's a big energy guy. Oh, my gosh. He's the climate change god of America. He's leading us towards that panacea, that utopia, where we don't have to rely on anything other than the wind and the sun for our energy going forward. He makes all kinds of commitments. He states all kinds of things regarding climate, regarding energy, everything. And he expects us, because I'm Joe Biden, we got to believe everything that he says. Well, somebody doesn't. And I'm not talking about Fox News or conservative newspaper. I'm talking about the Washington Post. And they just happened to yesterday give Joe Biden four Pinocchios for his claims on energy. Well, two and a bit years in are the lies of Joe Biden finally starting to catch up with him. With the American economy cratering, energy prices at record highs, watch out Australia, we're next. And no one believing that any of this is really simply the fault of Vladimir Putin or Donald Trump or racism or climate change or whatever the current thing is this week, maybe monkeypox. People are starting to look at the man who is, sorry, let me try this with a straight face, the man who is <laughs> in charge of the Oval Office. Um, that is to say, Joe Biden and indeed the entire intellectually bankrupt so-called elite leadership class that are propping him up. Here's an example of this. Now... The other day, Joe Biden wrote or signed off on or was told about after his nap an opinion piece appearing under his name (laughs) in The Wall Street Journal. And in it, he wrote these words, quote, a dozen CEOs of America's largest utility companies told me earlier this year that my plan would reduce the average family's annual utility bills by $500 and accelerate our transition from energy produced by autocrats. (laughs) Well, not so fast. Even the Washington Post, which until very recently has been the modern-day corporate pravda of the Biden administration, 
found this to be too much. Their fact checker, the reliably left-biased Glenn Kessler, awarded Biden's claims four Pinocchios, <laughs> pointing out that there was no reference to the savings in the transcript of the meeting with the utility executives, nor in the readout either, and that, in fact, most of the cost reductions he's referring to come from the reduced cost of driving and are expected to kick in around 2030 when Biden will be out of office and will probably not be allowed to drive anymore anyway. Anyway, in the meantime, though, high energy prices are actually a feature, not a bug for Joe Biden and the Democrats. Have a look at this. When it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that, God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. This is going to be a haul. This is going to take some time. Yeah, it'll be a haul, all right. But anyway, if he's not lying about big things, Joe Biden is lying about small things. And again, the lies are starting to catch up with him. Have a listen to Joe Biden addressing the U.S. Naval Academy graduation recently, where he made a pretty big claim. I was appointed to the Academy in 1965. That wasn't true. <laughs> I know that surprises you. Joe Biden would flex his muscles and would actually have the unmitigated gall to tell the American people, especially graduates in an assembly, he would tell them something that wasn't true. That's a wrap on Thursday. Thank you for being here. Don't forget to join us tomorrow, Friday morning. We're going to end the week together. We're going to have a lot of fun tomorrow. I promise you, we're going to have some fun. Till then, kind of pat your foot on the way out. James Taylor, Carol King, I Feel the Earth. Remember this big hit from 1970 from her Tapestry album? We'll see you tomorrow at TNN Live.